use the force oh. Live long and prosper. I'm going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermitee. Frog here. Your ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 128 of A Play on Nerds. Uh, This week, we have something new for you guys. Uh, It's a new segment we're calling From the Ashes, where we review a movie that we gave a burn it to back in the day for our trailer reviews, saying it was going to be a terrible movie, and we watch it anyways and review it for you. And I'm one of your co-hosts, Jarman. I'm the other co-host, Steve, and we are here to resurrect like a phoenix from the ashes these films only to put them right back into the fire because they were probably bad. And what movie are we reviewing this week? Uh, I always get the name wrong. Helen back. Helen back. It's Not a, to Helen back. No, different Helen movie. back. And it's a, a stop motion animated movie about people going to hell to save their friend. From the guys who brought you robot chicken. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we, I personally did not have a high opinion of this. We'll listen to the actual review later. Uh, but I'm excited to actually review the, the actual film because it was something. Yeah. And for you guys, this is years past, but we're going to play uh, the trailer review that we did for this film and what Steve and I thought of it from the trailer back then. And then we're going to actually watch the movie and then we're going to review it for you. And uh, so you can either avoid then, it or watch And then it. we're going to talk about how Steve was right about how it should be burned. I mean, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Before we go burning things, what have you been up to? Uh, well, this past week, I, uh, I've i been taking improv classes at SAC Comedy okay. Lab here in Orlando, Florida. That's which really right. How's that going? It's been around since Steve was here years and years ago. It's been around a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, it's going well. I'm going with my friend Ricky. and uh, But some games, improv games, are harder than others for my brain to take charge of, apparently. Uh, we did a three-person monologue this last one. It was a game where... You might have seen on Whose Line Is It Anyway, where someone starts a monologue about a subject from the audience, and then two people behind him or her will tap them on the shoulder and take over from that word that they were at in their sentence, basically, and keep going from there. And the idea is to complete a whole story from that monologue. So a beginning, a middle, and an end, like an inciting incident and then a a conclusion of the story. And it sounds so simple, but when you get up there on stage, the whole class is in front of you. It becomes very hard. My mind went to a blank. This was the worst I've been at this class uh, this whole time. I just could not be funny, could not be interesting. I kept rambling on about things and it just, yeah, it didn't go well. (laughs) But other classes I did very well, not this one. That is the kind of game where you have to have partners that you trust. Yes. You know how to play with. I do not have those. Um, (laughs) When I took improv, one of the things that we learned is that when you're playing those kind of team games of team story structures, that you always follow like the same arc, mm. which is effectively like the the classic fairy tale story, which is like once upon a time there was blah, 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 blah. Every day they blah, blah, blah until one day, blah, blah, blah. Then, th- then blah, blah, blah changed. They had to go to blah, blah, blah to get blah, blah, blah. And then everyone was happy. Like it's this specific arc that if you as a team all understand it, you can get through things. And what I'm finding out, and you're absolutely right, but I'm finding out <laughs> is that our, our teachers, we've had two teachers in this class on and off, 
aren't very good at explaining the fundamentals of improv because there's things like that you just said that the class could have benefited from because they're giving us no structure as how we should go about these things. And so as a consequence, we have um, people going up there and telling personal stories or starting off from a personal perspective. And you can't jump off of that with improv very easily because it's coming from their perspective and not a character. And so she eventually said that to one of the guys I was trying to work with. She's like, try to make it more less personal and more make a character, make a situation. Um, and so they're just not describing things very well to us. So I'm a little upset with the class so far, but well, I'm happy to give you pointers as you go. Oh, I might need to talk um, to you separately off, off the podcast with but this. Because, as I said, so. once you and the people that you play with, you get comfortable with and you understand a few rules between each other, Yeah, then you can play in front of the audience. And knowing each other personally helps a lot too. Yes. And yes. I, I, and I'm forgetting we should, the audience should know too, that Steve did, um, improv for quite a while back in Seattle. I got paid to do it for a bit. Exactly. Like real money. <laughs> and I'm jealous of that. <laughs> so Steve and I will be talking outside the podcast of that. But also yes. uh, in the past week, I did uh, my professional demo recording with a. a I saw you got a big congratulations on the Facebook. Yes. Uh, this guy who I worked with, he's like one of the top in the field uh, with voice acting and especially with demos nowadays um, in coaching. Um, so he's really good in the commercial market, but also like e-learning and corporate narration, which are where the, the big money makers and voiceovers. So we've done a lot of work over the past few months and, uh, we finally recorded my demo. I was a little bit tired. I I'm hoping it comes out well. <laughs> um, but his <laughs> engineers are so good that I think the demo will sound really great. And I'll even post it on the play on nerds page once it comes out, but I, it'd be about 30 days till I get the actual final product. Oh man, I'll get, I'll give you all the thumbs. I appreciate it. And then I can actually submit to agents and voice actors are different than regular actors where you have multiple agents across the u.s so each region you'll have a different agent um and you also have international agents and that kind of thing so i have like 12 agents and i'll literally get like maybe 20 percent of my income from agents not like 100 percent or 80 percent it's like a small percentage but those jobs that agents can get you are much bigger jobs and much better right. paying so you have to have a professional demo for that so it was a pretty penny and it took a long time but that's what's happening. So check out JarmanVoices.com for more info. <laughs> Bam. So what's been up with you, Steve? Uh, so two things, two nerdy things. Uh, one, nice. I picked up Borderlands 3. Ooh, nice. And I've been enjoying the living heck out of that. I even played with Zach the other day. Zach is our friend from high school who I actually played D&D with tonight. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he, has a, he doesn't have a microphone or what, but I did all the talking. Yeah, he has, no, he has no headset yet. <laughs> he need he needs to get one. Otherwise, I'm just playing with some rando. I literally just told him that he's getting married soon. I said, your your wedding gift will be a nice gaming headset. <laughs> there you go. Not even that nice. Just decent. Just decent. I got mine for like 13 bucks. It's real good. There you go. <laughs> so Borderlands uh, 3 is Borderlands good, 3, Yeah, really enjoying it. Tons of everything you'll do about Borderlands 2 mayhem guns some things i wasn't expecting they really mob you they really throw enemies at you and enemies seem to have a lot more health so the fights are much more hectic and they feel higher stakes okay. versus in borderlands 2 once you kind of got certain guns and stuff you could just kind of tear through things sometimes <laughs> uh those days are done uh but still super enjoyable the new classes are a lot of fun the ones i've played uh and the other thing is i finalized my D character for the next campaign Nice, which may or may not be starting soon. It might be. We'll see. I hope. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, but yeah, so I took an adjustment on that crazy build I talked about, what, two episodes ago? Yeah. 
Um, so I'm going to start as Cleric, but I'm also going to go Warforge, so I get 20 AC up front. I'm going to be a Forge Cleric, so I get some cool armor boost stuff. And then I'm going to switch Bard, and then so I'm going to be both the heels and the face of the party. Nice. With the idea being that I... So me and another guy are teaming up to make like a duo of characters. And he is going to be a wrestler character, which I also talked about. And I, and he, I told him about, and he friggin' fell in love with it. (laughs) And I'm going to be his like agent and coach (laughs) in the actual game, in the actual game. Nice. So I'm going to be the bard giving inspirational speeches and helping him tighten his armor and giving him guidance right before he goes, like get out there, rock. (laughs) You're a bum rock. (laughs) You're a bum. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I finalized that character. I'm uh, excited to get going. Nice. Finally. I hope that actually happens. A long time to settle. Goes through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's been it. It's been a pretty nerdy, low low key week. Yeah, especially for recording this quickly in succession, then we won't have as much to talk about. <laughs> yeah, like normal podcasters. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> go figure. <laughs> well, I'd love. I'm seeing it on the podcast live. If we can start to figure out where we can record, possibly every Wednesday night, that'd be pretty cool. I. That'd be like it was when we first started. Yeah, and then I'll edit and and post things on Thursday evenings, so it'll come out basically Friday every week. That'd be kind of cool. All right, let's not make any promises here. We're gonna not promises, that. but a goal, eventual goal. <laughs> All right, fair. Maybe by two hundred. Maybe by two hundred. Yes, we're at one twenty eight <laughs> now. By two hundred, we'll do that. <laughs> Perfect. So that brings some nerdy news. I hope so. It's time for Nerdy News. All right, so this week I just have some a kind of a rant. Um, okay. So there's going to be a reboot of two of my favorite franchises. Not my favorite favorite, but things I love. Uh, Battlestar Galactica <laughs> and Princess Bride. Okay, tell me what's wrong. Th- who, who hurt you? Well, the thing is, first of all, Princess Bride is kind of like in the line of like the Goonies or like uh, for me, Robin Hood Men in Tights because it's very close. Really love is like the storybook story. <laughs> As you wish. But the deal is, is that why remake Princess Bride? It's a cultural touchstone. It's not something you should remake because there's no way to. It, it's a product of its time as well. The comedy of that time and the actors of that time. It's really weird thing to remake, um, but they're still going to apparently go for it. Um, I can, I mean, I can see the why. What's the why? Just the money. Think about, well, yeah, oh, they just love sucking that money teeth. But, uh, <laughs> but, but think about the cast. Yeah. And now think about them saying, well, look at all these people we could pluck from all these different things and put them into one movie. Right. That's why they're doing it. Just the ensemble they have, cast, they, the archetypes. And not even like an ensemble cast, but like the ability to take someone from every major genre that they love mm-hmm. and get all of their fans into one basket. Well, yeah. And a, and a friend of mine, actually, she uh, texted me saying that it was happening. And she said that also uh, Dave Batista could be a good replacement for Andre the Giant. And I was like, yeah, I could see that. That'd be a good. <laughs> and people like already going to fantasy cast this immediately. They're just going to make it happen. Um, so is that hey, kind of, that's kind of that's kind of the appeal you're saying, like the fantasy casting. Right, right. I think that they have an option to get a huge muscular sports star of some sort. 
They have the ability to get one of the Jonas brothers to play Inigo Montoya, I assume. Oh, God. Um, Please, please. They can get some pretty young thing to play the lead. Uh, Probably Taron Egerton. I could see that. Taron Egerton. He might not be. I'd say he might not be tall enough, but you want a tall, thin guy. That's the idea of. uh, Yeah, he's a little guy. Yeah, Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, a little guy. Uh, and then you get a comedian in the Billy Crystal role, and so you like, oh, it's just, oh my god, it's ripe for this. John Mulaney app. could be the Billy Crystal role. Yeah, he'd exactly. Be, he'd be perfect for that. Exactly. You got it. Damn it, you're getting me into it now. <laughs> and then Kristen Wiig plays his wife. Yes, or Kate McKinnon. Yep. Um, but yeah, that is why is because they have the opportunity to make the, take this insane group of people and just get them together and get all their fans into the seats. Oh my God. The guy, um, there's not many movies that offer that the little short comedian who's been around for a while. His wife passed away. Um, and she solved the golden state. Patton Oswalt Oswalt could play the inconceivable. (laughs) Yeah. He could totally do that. Or Zach Galifianakis or yeah. I mean, I'm not a you huge Galifianakis fan, but I know people love him. Um, You're right. Yeah, that that is why you're right. But they have to change the jokes, update it, and it would be like a shade of its former self. Um, but also, Battlestar Galactica confused me more because I'm like, that just happened. Like that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> why Maybe, have they said anything about what the heck this one's going to be? Um, I forgot which streaming service it's going to be on. It's like Apple Plus, or it's going to be uh, one of the other. Uh, things or amazon prime um but it's just they've not said a single word yet they just said they're going to do it it's that that one's more for sure than princess bride princess bride is more of like a glimmer in their eyes but um Battlestar galactic is going to happen um and a few of the actors even uh posted on twitter being like really oh okay oh i guess that's happening now <laughs> they were not aware of this happening um but it just seems odd it's too soon for Battlestar Galactica. give it like 10 more years so it is Comcast's upcoming NBC Universal streaming service, which will be called Peacock. Peacock. Okay, gotcha. Yep, that's that's the one. Weird. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe if they take a different spin on, like if it's refreshing, that's great. Even if it's different. Sure. I mean, but, I'm gonna watch both of them, which I hate myself for, but I'm gonna watch them. So I hate you for it too. You should. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my nerdy news slash rant of the, some reboots that we do not necessarily need. All right. Uh, my nerdy news. I don't have a, it's a guy girl thing. I don't know. I have no title <laughs> uh, for the journal of experimental social psychology, which is a real scientific journal. Sounds like it to me. Uh, a study found that people care about gender inequality, but they care more about gender equality that, is be, it, when there's not enough women in a field or not equal representation of women in a field. Okay. Um, so the study took, looked at 745 cases um, about and it examined how this inequality is perceived when women are underrepresented. And they found that on average, people care and perceived much more injustice in uh, the lack of women in a STEM field. So science, technology, engineering, and mathematics or mechanics. I can't remember. Um, but they're nowhere near as outraged about the lack of men in typically female-dominated fields. Uh, young adult development, youth, uh, youth child care, um, non, non-physician health, physician health care. Nursing. Like that kind nurse, of nurses and techs and nurses assistants. 
That's um, personal to you because your dad's a nurse. Right. right. Um, and I thought it was interesting because they then talked about how maybe the real solution to fixing gender equality is not to incur necessarily to only encourage young girls to go into these fields, but also to make it clear to boys that going into these typically female dominated fields is also okay. Yeah. Cause that would really push it both ways. It would be like pushing them out of those stereotypically male fields into stereotypically female fields. And right. it would kind of by osmosis make, more right. and so it's, it's battling it from both sides right but what right. they found is that people care a lot more about gender inequality when it is women that are underrepresented in the field which so makes sense it was, it's it, like it was a, interesting yeah and they're kind of like going for where it's not being fair because they're not hiring women on purpose in those fields that's i get why there's right. more attention placed on that where it's just, right. men, it's like the, men aren't I, applying to those other fields basically right i just like the idea that the solution yeah can come from both fronts could be to promote men to go to those fields. Right. That makes that sense. Yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, and as you said, I'm, it's personal to me because my dad is a male nurse and my mother is a pastor. Yeah. Gender norm switched. Rever- reversal. <laughs> That's very true. Um, <laughs> uh, so I like the idea of, you know, making, making nurses not pink. Yes. Absolutely. Making scrubs not pink, you know. Well, as a person who dated a nurse for three years, uh, she never wore pink scrubs. So there you go. I'm just thinking of like Barbies and doll babies and stuff from over the years. Yeah. It's just like it's pushed. It's pushed to be that gender. Like there's, I don't know if there's a nurse. I don't think there's a nurse Ken. I know there's a nurse Barbie. There should be a nurse Ken. There should be a nurse Ken. Absolutely. <laughs> Do it, Barbie. <laughs> Mattel? Is it Mattel? I don't know. It is Mattel, yes. You should I don't watch even know the, who I'm yelling at Watch right the now. Toys That Made Us, Barbie edition. It was a great episode of Netflix show. It was. <laughs> Do it, Mattel. So before we get into Helen back, uh, you have some an interesting segment for us, don't you, Steve? I do. So in honor of Helen back, I started looking up and I started looking at some famous folks throughout history who supposedly sold their soul to the devil. And I personally love this idea. I'm, I'm anxious to hear it because, you know, me, I love paranormal stuff. So this is great. Uh, all right. So some of these names are really old school. I'm going to do my best. Okay. <laughs> no offense to uh, anyone else. Urbain Grandier. The first one was a French Catholic priest in the 1600s. Uh, he was known for being a bit of a sleaze and slept with women and nuns. Um, well, he spurned the advances of a nun at mm. one point, and she got real upset, and she raised accusations that he was doing witchcraft. Uh, so he was taken in and tortured. Uh, and then suddenly out of nowhere, a supposed contract with backwards Latin written on it and blood was produced. And he was, he was called a heretic and he was killed. They, they found <laughs> his contract with the devil. I get. Yeah. It just sort of, it just came up like evidence oh. just appeared. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. There's a lot of that. You'll see. Uh, <laughs> Gilles Durand, Durand. Uh, a 15th century uh, young man who inherited a ton of money when his dad died suddenly, uh, but he almost immediately squandered all of it. He got really desperate and he turned to this occult leader and teacher who was a former priest who said, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to sacrifice a bunch of children Ooh. to this demon to get your fortune back. Of so course. he went on a killing spree uh, where he captured, tortured and killed anywhere between. And they're not sure 80 and 200 children. What? 
When was this? Was eventually, uh, this was uh, he. So after this, he was captured and tried and executed in 1440. 1440. Jesus. That's yeah. a lot of children. That's terrible. Yeah. That's why they don't have a better aspect because it was so long ago. Right. But uh, what was got, the what was the devil aspect of that? I missed that part. Uh, that he was supposed to sacrifice these oh these right, right, kids right. to a demon in order to gain his fortune back. Jesus. Uh, pope Sylvester II, the first French pope, hmm. uh, huge on math and technology, and actually invented some pretty impressive stuff. Uh, he's the he's the pope responsible for introducing Arabic numbers to the into the West. I mean, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> after he died. There, this huge defamation campaign went out against him right after his death um, that basically said that he had made a deal with Satan and that's how he got all these numbers in his head and his <laughs> inventiveness. Uh, but really, it was this, this defamation campaign because most of his time spent in office was spent routing out corruption and kicking people out of the church and he mm. made a lot of people really mad. So as soon as he died, there was the, this like anti-movement against him. Gotcha. So he's actually a pretty damn good guy. He was a good Pope. (laughs) Yeah. And French. (laughs) French. Getting into more recent time, you got Robert Johnson, uh, who is an early 19th century blues musician, uh, who was listed by Rolling Stone as one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Love this story. Uh, And he supposedly met met the devil at a crossroads who tuned his guitar for him and made a deal with him where he would learn to play the blues so so good uh but in exchange he was going to die an early death mm. and uh he did when he was poisoned by a man whose wife he was sleeping with <laughs> well he kind of brought that on himself didn't he <laughs> yeah the devil made him do it oh the devil made me do it of course uh, and finally and this was the one that was most amusing to me jay-z what uh between his monumental success and he apparently, and I read an article on this, constantly uses like occult symbols and saying in his music videos, and he puts oh a lot of Illuminati uh, do stuff. what thou wilt on there on on his clothing line, and that's like a paganistic thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and then and then mix that with the crazy Illuminati <laughs> rumors that have swelled over the years, and a lot of there's a lot of stuff st- speculation that he he signed some sort of deal with the devil. And he fans those flames on purpose. He he puts Illuminati stuff all over his things that he does, just Dude, to like make people go crazy the on Twitter. Of his money pile <laughs> and his uh, Beyonce pile, <laughs> whole pile of Beyonce. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's those are some some relatively famous people who supposedly throughout history made big deals with the uh, guy downstairs. I appreciate that. That's very appropriate for our segment we're about to go into, where we do from the ashes. Helen back. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. Yeah. And it burns, 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 burns. The ring of fire, fire. The ring of fire. So I went. <laughs> that's an intro. <laughs> I went for a long time looking for songs that said burn it or burn it down. And they were all like either terrible emo or like, yeah, metal, like songs. metal songs. So yeah. I was just like, let's go back to Johnny Cash. It'll be fine. You can't go wrong with it. If we get flagged, I don't even care. Who gives a shit? Um, yeah, so. no one's going to listen to this. This is a terrible movie. I'm okay if no one listens yeah. to this. So, Helen Beck, as we... Uh, oh, we're first, we're going to play uh, the trailer review. review from the time. Yes. So, we're not going to play the trailer, but the trailer review we gave, I'll cu- it's cut out to the trailer. So, here, let's play that right now. There was so much news in there. 
I, man. There's a lot of news. I feel like Walter Cronkite. <laughs> you look like him, too. <laughs> I do. Young, hot Walter Cronkite. <laughs> Hello, I'm Walter Cronkite. I'm 20 years old. Walter Cronkite. Do you want to go on a date with me? Anyways, <laughs> so our first movie. Let me pour your champagne. <laughs> first movie we reviewed is Helen Back. Uh, this is from the same guys who made Robot Chicken, Seth Green and such. It's stop motion animation. Uh, it's got Nick Swartzen, Mila Kunis, Danny McBride, TJ Miller, Susan Sarandon, Bob Odenkirk. Pretty good cast of voice actors. Uh, and it looks pretty funny. It's about a guy who goes into a portal to hell. To rescue his friend or something. Yeah. And meets a hot demon played by Mila Kunis. Absolutely. What's missing from this picture? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it looks like fun. Uh... I, on the other hand, think this looks awful. Yeah? If the jokes that are thrown around in the trailer are the jokes that are thrown around in the movie, it look, it's going to be bad. They were pretty, I don't know, corny. It was weird. It was like they weren't the jokes I'm used to on Robot Chicken, which are really smart and funny, you know? Or the jokes I'm used to from any of the voice actors that are in it. True. So, hope, um, hope. so that just, it just makes me sad. I, I think it's going to be bad. Hopefully it's just a bad trailer. I want to like it. I want to like it, but I can't. Well, I'm I'm going to give it another chance for another trailer, so I'm going to say take a look. I'm going to give it a burn it because oh, it's a movie about hell, so it seems appropriate. <laughs> wow. No chances given from Steve, but I'll give not, it a chance. Not for Helen back. All right. So that was our review from 2015 when we reviewed that trailer. Wow. Uh, big change. 2015. Four years ago. Oh, <laughs> but now Steve and I have both watched this actual full film and we're going to review it for you. It real bad. It real bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was so incredibly correct about this movie. <laughs> and to be fair, I didn't say like, "Ooh, I want to watch this. I just said, yeah, uh, you didn't uh, boast for it. I'll you take just a look. A, you weren't as vehemently against it as I was. No. But you were absolutely right. Uh, it, um, the, so right off the bat, the problem is, uh, I will say, if you watch this movie, it's on Netflix, folks. If you want to check it out, it's called Hell and Back. Uh, the stop motion animation is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with the visuals. They're great. Um, a lot of yeah. artistry went into this. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of work. Um, so those artists, I thank you. You did a lot of work. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry your work went to this film. Um, but. Yeah, because we don't have much of this. Besides, we uh, Steve and I mentioned this. We were talking off the podcast about uh, Sasha's Party, which is also, I think, stop motion. Um, uh, no, digital. Oh, it's digital? Okay. But either way, it's still a lot of work. And it was kind of a similar kind of feel to Sasha's Party, which was uh, gross-out humor, but actually funny with actors you recognize. And it was really good. Whereas right. Helen Back is stop motion animation. A lot of, a lot of fucking work, stop motion animation, and was not funny. Uh, <sighs> what a waste. So what many a waste good actors. of all that effort. Yeah, and all that talent. Yeah. Um, so, so here is how I've been like mentally telling myself why this film was like this. Mm-hmm. So I love stop motion and animation and the Muppets and Looney Tunes and yeah. everything growing up because with through animation, you can comment on things that you couldn't with human actors and you can get away with things that you couldn't with human actors. Right. And where all those things I just listed that I love took that and did it responsibly and funny, I feel like this movie took that gift and used it for evil. 
Yeah. And the problem is <laughs> there is a great story uh, in this film. The story outline. If someone handed me that, I'd be like, that's really funny. That's a great story. I'd love to see that on film. Um, two guys. Yeah, a friend gets sent to hell over a deal about a mint. Yeah. Well, two, two friends go to get him. Two guys work at this carnival. Um, one of their biggest attractions is a like haunted house thing, which is like the gates of hell. Like a dark um, ride. Yeah. And they they are trying to figure out how to save the park because it's going to close the the, the fair. Um, and they go to the the local um, what fortune is teller. Fortune or, teller. Yeah. And she happens to have a book of the devil uh, that she got from a friend. And so I'm just trying to get like, a general outline of the story here that they can use that book to possibly um, bring people there because there's a devil picture of the devil in that book. That's crying, crying. And so he takes it and sets it up saying that, well, people will come to see this book. If people go to see burnt toast, Jesus in yeah. Kansas. Uh, and then they're mad at each other because the fair is shutting down. And it's this like kind of analogy that doesn't pay off at any point in the film. Um, so he loans him a mint and then makes him make a blood pact with him where he stabs his friend in the finger and then rubs it on the book. Right. And then when promise. his friend doesn't have a mint to give him, he gets sucked into hell. And, and the two friends that are remaining go after him into this portal to hell because of a mint. And so like, that's a funny premise, funny, a hook for a movie. Absolutely would watch either live action, animated, whatever. It's funny. Right. Um, and they just ruin it with terrible dialogue, terrible written script. It's just the and most like, offensive at times for the sake of being offensive, uh, like racist jokes and gay jokes and fat and shaming off the bat, like fat shaming all throughout of, the film. Like this was not that long ago, four years ago, as we said, and the entire movie, TJ Miller's character is like, you know, a, a pudgy guy in the movie, but they're like constantly making fat jokes the entire time. Um, there is a lot, and this is like a trigger warning sort of thing. There's a lot of like sexual assault and rape innuendo. Yes. There's rape jokes, including a big unhinging thing in the middle that they just won't let go of. Mm. Um, at one point they make a joke about getting a, a BJ from the bearded lady and then off camera someone says, I'll get the chloroform. Yeah. Like that's um, not cool <laughs> in any regard. And, and they did that. And here's the thing. They did that a lot because they knew that they couldn't show it. Most of the most offensive lines from this movie are said off screen or as people are leaving frame. Oh, I didn't realize that, but you're right. Rewatch the movie. No, so I won't. Absolute, <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. No. Ignore me. But so much of just the absolute worst of the worst is just done in those scenarios where they don't have to play it afterwards. They don't have to explain it. And, and I will say like, I don't regret watching it because of the fact that there were so many good performers in the movie and the story was good and the animation is good. It's just that. Wow. How upsetting a lot of the dialogue and f I never feel this way watching movies like these days. This doesn't happen. And it just it felt gross watching this movie. <laughs> and I, I agree. There were a few glimmers throughout. There were a few yes. really good, notable, funny lines throughout. But instead of being a line that built a comedy, those jokes just came as as a relief. Yeah, like, oh, God, thank I God. I didn't have to hear something terrible. There's again. a good joke here, finally. So instead of laughing, I just got to take a breath. Mm, you're so right. And um, the, um, so the first joke that I actually, I wrote first funny joke, like 20 minutes into the film, 
Um, so the guys go into hell to save their friend who made the, uh-huh. the mint pack and they're going up an elevator um, to, to go to the office of Satan, basically, to find their friend. And there's an announcer over the intercom on the elevator making announcements. And she says um, something. Uh, if you're a priest or a nun who happens to be in this elevator, it's just really funny because it means you wasted your life. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I did chuckle at that. I was like, OK, that's funny. And it's not gross or like any kind of fat shaming or rape joke. It was like, oh, that's just legitimately kind of intellectually funny and interesting. And there was uh, uh, your mother's uh, a whore joke that capped off that scene. That was also OK. <laughs> <laughs> your mother's not here to pick up after you and if she is she is a whore. she was a whore like, she's here it was just a good dour stank moment to end on <laughs> but yeah i agree and, uh, and if any of you are moment- um um uh breaking bad slash better call saul fans bob odenkirk who plays saul in breaking bad and better call saul he plays the devil and i think he's one of the highlights of this film because he just has like a good range but he gets to play a really good range yeah. yes but the dialogue is still awful like he doesn't have anything to play with and at all. he plays the devil who has troubles with the demons union because he's not doing his devilish duty of sacrificing humans also he's still a funny idea a great angel. idea who he wants to impress and who is there looking for these mortals who accidentally snuck in angels played by Susan Sarandon. Yep. Um, and they like sexualized her in a really weird way. Like that was really strange. Very sexualized. Every woman in this movie was sexualized. Yeah. Incredibly but to a point where it wasn't even like Hollywood. It was like beyond that. It was just like purposeful and like just over the top and gross. <laughs> like, um, so the devil wants to turn these guys into Susan Strandon so he can be with her. Uh, but they escape and go to find Orpheus and they steal the devil's phone. All this is gets a little confusing here in the middle. Cause the devil, Orpheus, the devil's because a cell he's phone. Known, yeah. He's known for getting people out of hell, which Orpheus I was like, Oh, finally. Loop, made strings. Oh my God. That song. That it was played so in my head. Bad. Steve and I Will sang this Clark, song back in high school in choir. <laughs> chose that piece of crap. It was None a terrible was song. Good terrible um <laughs> sorry will clark if you're listening but it's it was true. a bad choice it was a terrible song uh, um they escape and they go to find orpheus and they're rescued by this demon woman played by mila kunis uh who also wants to find orpheus for unknown reasons it turns out he's her father she's um, half demon half human and orpheus is her father yeah so they with just more stuff in the middle it was just stuff yeah like just more stuff in the middle they find orpheus who's dan mcbride who was almost funny dan mcbride is also a great real I, i'm loving moments. him in the righteous gemstones right now dan mcbride is a talent he is a and also hearing him on a podcast he's so much more intelligent than you'd ever think he's super smart a writer he's great and he was trying his best to be good in this part but the writing is just fucking awful in this movie it's um, terrible and, and Anna and i did have a good laugh at one point where he's talking about how basically he rescues women from from hell so he can seduce them into sleeping with him yeah and, and he's like yeah and i'm like oh man you're gonna thank me for getting you out of hell and she's like yeah but i'm pregnant and i'm like nah i gotta go <laughs> he's <laughs> acting this out with these weird doll things. yeah and it's terrible but i was he performed it so well it was, it was actually funny. Some good but it wasn't filthy and te- like it wasn't grotesque yeah it wasn't God. like offensive like rape jokes or something um and then so they find him he takes them through these tests, which I thought was just so dumb. 
Yeah. So dumb. There I know some, they were, there were supposed some... to think it was dumb, but I as an audience member also thought it was dumb. <laughs> there was a line in there that I thought um, we would appreciate. And uh, the two dude characters who are sucked into hell going through all this stuff. Eventually, one of them says, this is an RPG nightmare where there's no leveling up. And I was like, that's that's a great line. I like that line. Someone okay. someone okay. smart wrote that line and then everything else fell to shit. Snuck it in because that was a good line. Um, so meanwhile, back at hell quarters, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the devil has their friend, but they become friends. The devil and the friend who's trapped in hell. Yeah. And they and he basically reveals that he's going to sacrifice him to get the union off his back. Uh, but then they make an agreement that they're not going to sacrifice him. If he, if they, the the human puts on a show that'll impress the angel, Susan Sarandon's character, right enough to where she'll want to sleep with the devil, then he'll so he'll let him off. He won't kill him. They won't sacrifice him. All right. So now that 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 doesn't matter though. No, because he doesn't. He ends up breaking the contract anyway. So that literally the whole thing doesn't matter at all. Nope. Uh, <laughs> So back to the, I guess the main plot, if you can call it that, uh, <laughs> uh, the friends decide that they are going to go back to the hell quarters and get their friend back with or without Orpheus. Right. Orpheus does eventually come help them. After um, a long bro conversation about um, shitting in a room with five guys. I don't know. It was just it all, was, it's all bro conversations. It's terrible. Um. So they go back and there's this, the show is going to be put on for the angel and uh, they God, what do they do? They get caught, right? Uh, I remember. This is so bad. Yeah. They get caught somehow and they're all trapped in the middle of this like big performance where the devil's going to sacrifice them on, on devil TV um, in front of everybody. Um, but the devil calls the angel and says, you know, like I have, the humans here, because she said if we forgot to say a long time ago, she said if if he captures the humans, then she'd have sex with him, basically, is what she was saying. Um, so he right. captures the humans, he has them there, calls her, she comes down to collect them. But then Orpheus shows up because he figures out finally that this half demon child, Mila Kunis, is his child, uh, right. and now wants to help actually save them. And he But then he tries to kiss her at one point. Oh, after he already knows it's his daughter. He tries to kiss her. It's and he's like, there's been no DNA test yet, so I can't be sure. So I uh, will wait until later to figure out if I can fuck you or not. It's just so gross. Like it just goes over the top. So then for some reason, Satan has a T-shirt cannon that he shoots and hits the angel in the eye. And they all found down to a lower planar of hell. Mm -hmm. And guess what? That lower plane of hell, that's where they keep all the the rapist trees. Yeah, because Orpheus explained when he was a uh, a teenager. Oh my child, God, we didn't even touch on that because neither of us wanted to. He repeated like five times that uh he was raped by a tree when he was younger. He was in the woods and as a young lad. They play this. They play this for tree. laughs that he was raped by a tree. And then at the end, Mila Kunis's character, it's just this uncolored commentary about like, well, were you asking for it? What were you? Were you dressed like a bush? Yeah, I was dressed like a human. I was like, oh, my God. Why did anyone even decide that this was what how, was going to go in here? How was that? A, uh, this um, was a true burn it. I'm sorry. Like, this is like the burn it of burn it movies. It's so bad. Um, so then they're down there with the trees. 
and Orpheus reconciles with the tree that raped him. Played by H. John Benjamin, who I love. I love H. John Benjamin. Like, why did you do this? He played the rapist Um, tree. But then all of them are about to get raped by trees. Yes. Even the devil is about to get raped by a tree. Uh, And then, uh, oh, the friend, a mint that he didn't know was in his pocket falls out and onto Nick Schwartzen's crotch. And then there's like a minute long bit of him (laughs) analogizing trying to suck his own dick while trying to lick a mint off of his crotch of his pants. And literally one of the other characters is like, oh, you you can do it. You can do it. If you reach the mint, then the curse will be broken. You can eat the mint and the, the, the pact will be complete. Just do this. Make this noise. Uh, 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 uh. That'll make it better. It'll make it faster. I'm like, no, there is no point for that joke. It's not funny. It doesn't make any sense. It's um, terrible. So he eats the mint. Yes. I think that's the important thing. So here. pissed off. <laughs> uh, and then Satan is in with the trees and the tree like forces a bottle of wine into his mouth. And the insinuation is that Satan then got raped by trees. Horrible. Meanwhile, <laughs> they go back to the fair uh, where they revamp the whole fair in heaven and hell theme based off of their experiences. And it saves the carnival. Yay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to say this. I have I have never been so sad to be so right. Yes. <laughs> about the prediction of a film. So much talent. Like I don't know what to do with this besides burn it again. Like literally I think that's the rating at the end that we do here. But here burn it again. Someone also who I love is Paul H Tompkins who's a uh, a wonderful comedian who's been in part of a uh, thrilling adventure hour. Um, he's been around a long time. I, I encourage you all to look, look him up and look up his stand up and also thrilling adventure hour. He's wonderful. He played the lost souls in this movie. Um, and they always cut away to uh, the demons punishing people in hell. And it's always very mundane punishments. Like they go to a taco bell slash uh, pizza hut, which we know exists in the real world. Um, and everyone asks for pizza the lost souls ask for pizza i'm like uh, there's no pizza here only tacos, only tacos. But it says pizza i know but we don't have it because this is hell welcome to hell but paul f Tompkins plays all the lost souls in this movie and he's fantastic so it just reminded me over and over again how much talent is in this movie that there was so much untapped potential because the artistry fantastic it looks beautiful it took so much time to make this film uh, the talent is wonderful. The cast is fantastic. And the writing is so fucking bad. I don't even. Yeah. Um, so my is burn it, burn it again, burn it again, burn it again. Burn it again. Um, and may God have mercy on your souls. <laughs> yes. Um, I can't un like, I don't, I don't want our listeners to watch this. I, I kind of do. I kind of do want them to watch like, it. I don't know how to say that a better way. You know, I, I've been more bored by movies in the past. It's not a matter of being bored by this movie. It's a matter of like, what the fuck are you doing? So, yeah. I mean, you can watch this, be upset by it, and then message us and let us know what you think of this movie. It's on Netflix. It's available it's for on free. Netflix. Yeah. I mean, free if you um, subscribe to Netflix. But yeah. Yeah. <sighs> don't. Just don't. Steve, these these burn it uh, these uh, from the ashes reviews are going to be pretty rough. 
Not all of them are going to be terrible, but most of them. We don't know that. They could be really bad. (laughs) I'm saying, I'll say most of them are going to be really terrible. (laughs) Can you give our listeners a hint of what other films we might be seeing soon? Um, So I just did a quick, like, little smattering from across some of our earlier episodes. Uh, The Visit, a movie called Into the Grizzly Hills with Bill Paxton, Uh, Resident Evil, The Final Chapter, Uh, Blair Witch. Uh, movies of that caliber are the type we'll be reviewing. And there was one that we both gave a burn it to, which is very rare. The double burn it was into the grizzly maze. Ah, Bill Paxton one. That should be our next one. We've only had, I think I told Jeremy this, I think we've only had five or six double burn it's in the entire show. For our trailer review uh, things where we both say we're not fucking watching that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so don't watch this one either. Burn it again. And let's go on to some trailer reviews. Let's get out of this. Month. Oh, let's do some trailer reviews. Oh, that's not the right play clip. There it is. <laughs> All right. So this week for trailer reviews, uh, we have uh, some Netflix movies, not shows, but movies that Netflix is putting out because there's a dry spell of like good trailers coming out right now. But Netflix is continuing to put out good ton- content. So here we have In the Tall Grass. Help! I'm lost in here. Did you hear that? Someone out there? Becky! Something's not right about this. I think we should head back to the road. Becky! Travis? Who are you? What's going on? I came looking for you! What? How did you get here before us? I don't know. My boy, he's lost in here too. This is nuts! It's only a feel. I'm never gonna find her. You can find things. But it's easier once they're dead. How long have we been here? I'm not sure. That sounded like me. This field doesn't make any sense. I'll name one thing in here that does. You think this is just chance? We're all here for a reason. Oh my god! It's grass. It's just grass. Right. So basically what you might see from the trailer, if you watch it, is that people go into this tall grass and uh, they get lost and all time and space gets wibbly wobbly, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm willing, I'm going to bet aliens right really? now, just based off what. Yeah. Oh, I would not have gotten there at all, actually. Yeah, they're in some sort of like holding cell. They don't know about. Huh. 
uh, that's my I don't know. That's just my shot in the dark with just seeing that trailer. My thing was so just like a, some like weird haunted slash parallel universe space where they go into this because the, the cool thing that they say is that the the couple goes into the grass and then they meet their friend there and he's like, you guys went missing a long time ago and I tried to find you and like, but you got here before us. How is that possible? I thought that was really interesting and cool that the idea that time doesn't work the same way in this this grass space. And so he went looking for them after they got missing in this grass a long time ago, but yet he still got there before they got there. And that's that's super interesting to me, but not enough to make you think this movie's gonna be awesome. But I also love Patrick Wilson, who's in this. He was in all the like Insidious and uh, the Conjuring movies. Uh, he's he's really good. So yeah, I'm interested. Um, yeah, it looks like it's gonna be up our alley. Of course, my fear is that it's always gonna go like supernatural ghosts. I mean, I don't, think be, I don't think it'd be ghosts. So hard, I'll have an aneurysm. It'll be supernatural, but I don't think it's going to be ghosts. Right. I'm fine with supernatural, but uh, you know, you know me and ghosts. Of course. They aren't real. Anything but ghosts. <laughs> anything but ghosts. I'll take anything. I'll take robot dinosaurs. Fair. Before I take ghosts. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take that this is a thin veil for the next Transformers film. Perfect. <laughs> Over ghosts. I would hate that. <laughs> Optimus Prime is hiding in that field. Oh, God. Come and find me, Autobots. <laughs> Autobots assemble. But uh, <laughs> it's Netflix, so it's great. It's available. It's right there. It's on Netflix yeah. that they already have. So I mean, uh, it, and I'm yeah. excited. It looks like Netflix is concentrating on a lot of stuff for this Halloween season, which I appreciate True. because their horror section is not good. Yeah, and they got more stuff coming out for that. Uh, so this one, I'm gonna give like a, a Raul Julia really, really scratching his chin. Interesting. He's just real. He's real interested. So my Raul Julia, I have one of them, and he's leaning over the counter, and he has his his chin on his fist, and he's looking over and he's going, huh. Peculiar. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, fair. That's a good amount yeah, of Raul Julia's. All right. So the next film we have is Living With Yourself. Living With Yourself. Also on Netflix. Okay, so your heart broke. The path of life brings us many troubles. You sit around hoping. Pain, we need to talk. Sadness, humiliation. You say you even think about time? Hop Happy Spa will rebuild your DNA better than ever. A better you, the best you can be. That's what I want. How do you feel? Happy. Are you okay? Don't need to come down. No, 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 it's fine. I woke up in a spa, went to work, and came home. I woke up in a grave, and then I walked for six hours to find whatever the fuck you are. Now, there's two me's, but there's one life. So, what do you suggest we do? Maybe he has a brain tumor. Inoperable, I hope. He's better than me in everything, with work, with Kate. Are you seriously jealous of you? No karate. Not unless you learned it since yesterday morning, you don't. Do you know a place that sells guns? I hate you! I am you! How can you be sure that you are you? You're a monster. Like Dr. Jekyll. Dr. Jekyll was the sane one. You mean Mr. Hyde. You should pick up a book sometime. So, that is uh, Living With Yourself. 
Um, I mean, I already liked Multiplicity. I'm going to love the show even more. There's a show? No, it's just that's what this feels like. It feels like Multiplicity. Oh, well, it's just, just a movie. It's not a show. A dark television show. Oh, I thought this was a series. No, no. Both both these are just, just movies. Oh. Yeah. I don't think Paul Rudd would have signed on to a full series anyways. So, but yeah, it's just a movie. Hmm. Okay. I'm not sure why I thought. So basically, if you didn't see the trailer, watch the trailer, folks. But uh, it's he gets he goes to a facility where like, I guess they claim that they're going to just upgrade him with his own DNA. His DNA or something. Yeah. But the idea is that they actually just cloned him and made him better and then just try to kill him and bury him and let his clone live out his life as a better person with his memories. But he okay. survives and he comes back to his house and now has to coincide and live with his actual clone who's better than he is at everything. Um, so just so you know, this is saying TV series everywhere. I'm looking says TV series. Oh, maybe you're right. I'm sorry. That's why you could be limited like six or eight, something like that. I prefer you know, Netflix that. Totally yeah. Typically keeps it short. Yeah. Um, it looks interesting. I guess I like the sci-fi kind of premise of it in that respect. In that, like they literally just took him and killed him and replaced him with a clone. Kind of like the sixth day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you guys have seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Back in the day. Um, but he's happier and sort of a better version of him. And it makes him reevaluate himself and see the kind of man he could be. There's a lot of good uh, emotional and character arc stuff sort of just built into the concept. Uh, I like Paul Rudd. I don't know if this is going to be like, I don't know if I want to watch this for six or eight episodes. I hope I do. Well, yeah. And the idea is too, is that you think going in, you see Paul Rudd, you think a uh, crazy madcap comedy, but then the music and the tone of the trailer kind of leads you to believe that there's going to be a lot of serious moments in this. And there's gonna be like really like not just comedy, but like, what am I actually going to do? And it's like going to be some drama going on in the show. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this uh, like Raul Julia in a bubble bath. Oh, a very comfortable Raul Julia. Yes, a very relaxed Raul Julia. <laughs> He's got his trashy romance novel and his red wine. He's ready for a good night. Uh, I'm going to give this a, a, a three Raul Julias who just had a turkey sandwich and are very uh, pleasantly full, but not not too full. Ooh, like tri- like tryptophan. Yeah, they're tryptophan and they're not too. They're, not, they're still a little bit of space left. They're not stuffed, but they're just like full enough right right. they're debating having that half piece of pie that's left in the fridge exactly all right yeah. all right i like that Raj julia too <laughs> <laughs> this is my i love our new ratings <laughs> me too it's so much better <laughs> so yeah no gary Busey's this week yeah gary, no Busey gary took, Busey took the night off out. he took the night off so uh now some radical recommends He's out attacking the elderly somewhere <laughs> yes oh fucking elderly oh, have you seen my movies oh god damn it <laughs> if you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend pleasant. All right. <laughs> so, fuck the elderly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, radical recommends. What yeah, my radical recommend this week uh, comes from YouTube, uh, where I try to find smaller, lesser-known channels uh, that you should give a shot to. And this week's is called, uh, simply enough, Behind the Screen. All right. Um, this guy has 
produces really good um, videos in the vein of like Easter eggs you missed in films or uh, what he thinks is next for the MCU and clues they drop that might indicate it. We've all seen those videos online. He makes very high caliber versions of that with good production value. Uh, The guy is, he's funny. He genuinely has some good funny moments Uh, and he deserves many more views and viewers than he has. Nice. And so for that reason, uh, behind behind the screen, I can't believe he got that, by the way, which is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, behind the screen, check it out. Hit the subscribe button. Um, I hope you enjoy it. As I said, he deserves more than he has. Yeah, and to have that high production value and to take the time to do that kind of detail work, that, that takes a lot of fucking work. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. He's got good tra- comedy chops. Check it out behind the screen. That's my radical recommend. Very nice. Okay, so mine is um, a a show that I've had on my Netflix list for a long time. Originally, it broadcast on the IFC channel. Um, It stars Fred Armisen and Bill Hader. Bill Hader, who's, you know, Horsary Night Live, but also um, in Barry, now on HBO. It's a show called Documentary Now. Um, And for a while, I didn't watch it because basically the show is every episode lampoons a different famous documentary that you might have seen before and i love documentaries i've watched a lot of them i've watched a lot of them uh but the i didn't want to watch the show for a long time because i i was afraid i wouldn't get the jokes because i hadn't seen the particular documentaries that they were lampooning um but i found out it doesn't matter you can watch the show and still think it's hilarious especially if you're a documentary fan in general um they every episode's a half an hour or 20 minutes actually and they typically have a, like a parody episode of a famous documentary and Bill Hader or um, Fred Armisen play some either female male character doesn't matter what ethnicity they play all sorts of things. And a lot of famous guest stars, uh, comedians and other actors you would recognize. And um, the best part is that Helen Mirren hosts the show. Uh, she comes in the beginning of each episode and she's like, tonight on Documentary Now is our 50th season. We're going to feature this documentary that you've seen many times before, but we're going to feature it in a different way. And she she describes every episode before it happens. And it's so funny and just like, it's not for everybody because it's a little bit slow um, and it's 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 lampooning documentaries. If you're not a fan of documentaries, you might not like be into it, but I love it. It's it's really well done. It deserves deserves Emmys. Check it out. Documentary Now. All right. That's me. All right. Well, we don't have a thank you section. Yeah, we just have a lot of fans out there. We appreciate you all, and thanks for listening, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, we enjoy you all. Keep on coming back. Be in our audience. We'll keep on coming back and be in your nerdy co-hosts. And until next time, thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How?